Chapter Thirteen, Part One of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue. Chapter Thirteen, Part One: Judgment and Execution. The lapidary, much astonished, rose and opened the door. Two men entered the garret. One, tall, lanky, with an ill-favored and pimply face, shaded by thick, grisly whiskers, held in his hand a thick cane loaded at the head he wore a battered hat and a long-tailed and bespattered green coat buttoned up close to his throat above the threadbare velvet collar was displayed his long neck red and bald like that of a vulture this man's name was malicorne the other was a shorter man with a look as low-lived and red fat puffed features dressed with a great effort at ridiculous splendour shiny buttons were in the folds of the front of his shirt whose cleanliness was most suspicious and a long chain of mosaic gold serpentined down a faded plaid waistcoat which was seen beneath his seedy chesterfield of a yellowish-gray colour this gentleman's name was bourdin how poverty-stricken this hole smells said malicorne pausing on the threshold why it does not scent of lavender water confound it but we have a lowish customer to deal with responded bourdin with a gesture of disgust and contempt and then advanced towards the artisan who was looking at him with as much surprise as indignation through the door left a little ajar might be seen the villainous watchful and cunning face of the young scamp tortillard who having followed these strangers unknown to them was sneaking after spying and listening to them what do you want inquired the lapidary abruptly disgusted at the coarseness of these fellows jerome morel said bourdin i am he working lapidary yes you are quite sure quite sure but you are troublesome so tell me at once your business or leave the room really your politeness is remarkable much obliged i say malicorne said the man turning to his comrade there's not so much fat to cut at here as there was at that air viscount de saint remy's i believe you but when there is fat why the door's kept shut in your face as we found in the rue du chaillot the bird had hopped the twig and precious quick too while such vermin as these hold on to their cribs like a snail to his shell i believe you well the stone jug just suits such individuals the sufferer creditor must be a good fellow for it will cost him more than it's worth but that's his lookout if said morel angrily you were not drunk as you seem to be i should be angry with you leave this apartment instantly ha 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 he's a fine fellow with his elegant curve said bourdin making an insulting allusion to the contorted figure of the poor lapidary i say malicorne he has cheek enough to call this an apartment a hole in which i would not put my dog oh dear oh dear exclaimed madeleine who had been so frightened that she could not say a word before call for assistance perhaps they are rogues take care of your diamonds and seeing these two ill-looking strangers come closer to his working bench on which his precious stones were still lying morel fearful of some evil intentions ran towards the table and covered the jewels with his two hands tortillard still on the watch caught at madeleine's words observed the movement of the artisan and said to himself ha 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 so they said he was a lapidary of sham stones if they were mock he would not be afraid of being robbed this is a good thing to know so mother mathieu who comes here so often 
is a matcher of real stones after all and has real diamonds in her basket this is a good thing to know and i'll tell the chouette added bras rouge's brat if you do not leave this room i will call in the guard said morel the children alarmed at this scene began to cry and the idiotic mother sat up in her bed if any one has a right to call for the guard it is we you mr twistabout said bourdin and the guard would lend us a hand to carry you off to jail if you resist added malicorne we have not the magistrate with us it is true but if you have any wish for his company we'll find you one just out of bed hot and heavy bourdin will go and fetch him to prison me exclaimed morel struck with dismay yes to cliche to cliche repeated the artisan with an air of despair it seems a hardish pill said malicorne well then to the debtor's jail if you like that better said bourdin you what indeed why the notary ah oh, mon dieu and the workman pale as death fell on his stool unable to add another word we are bound bailiffs come to lay hold of you now are you fly morel it is the note of louise's master we are undone exclaimed madeleine in a tone of agony hear the judgment said malicorne taking from his dirty and crammed pocket-book a stamped writ after having skimmed over according to custom a part of this document in an unintelligible tone he distinctly articulated the last words which were unfortunately but too important to the artisan judgment finally given the tribunal condemns jerome morel to pay to pierre petitjean merchant note six by every available means even to the arrest of body the sum of thirteen hundred francs with interest from the day of protest and to pay all other and extra costs given and judged at paris thirteen september etc etc note six the cunning notary unable to prosecute in his own name had made the unfortunate morel give a blank acceptance and had filled up the note of hand with the name of a third party and louise louise cried morel almost distracted in his brain and apparently unheeding the long preamble which had just been read where is louise then for doubtless she has quitted the notary since he sends me to prison my child my louise what has become of you who the devil is louise asked bourdin let him alone replied malicorne brutally don't you see the respectable old twaddler is not right in his nonsense box then approaching morel he added i say my fine fellow right about file march on let us get out of here will you and have a little fresh air you stink enough to poison a cat in this here hole morel shrieked madeleine wildly don't go kill those wretches oh you coward not to knock them down what are you going to let them take you away are you going to abandon us all pray don't put yourself out of the way ma'am said bourdin with an ironical grin i've only just got to remark that if your good man lays his little finger on me why i'll make him remember it continued he swinging his loaded stick round and round entirely occupied with thoughts of louise morel scarcely heard a word of what was passing all at once an expression of bitter satisfaction passed over his countenance as he said louise has doubtless left the notary's house 
now i shall go to prison willingly then casting a troubled look around him he exclaimed but my wife her mother the children who will provide for them no one will trust me with stones to work at in prison for it will be supposed my bad conduct has sent me there does this hard-hearted notary wish the destruction of myself and all my family also once twice old chap said bourdin will you stop your gammon you are enough to bore a man to death come put on your things and let us be off good gentlemen kind gentlemen cried madeline from her sick-bed pray forgive what i said just now surely you will not be so cruel as to take my husband away what will become of me and my five poor children and my old mother who is an idiot there she lies you see her poor old creature huddled up on her mattress she is quite out of her senses my good gentleman she is indeed quite mad la what that old bald-headed thing a woman well hang me if that ain't enough to astonish a man i'll be hanged if it isn't then cried the other bailiff bursting into a hoarse laugh why i took it for something tied up in an old sack look her old head is shaved quite close it seems as though she had got a white skull-cap on go children and kneel down and beg of these good gentlemen not to take away your poor father our only support cried madeline anxious by a last effort to touch the hearts of the bailiffs but spite of their mother's orders the terrified children remained weeping on their miserable mattress at the unusual noise which prevailed added to the aspect of two strange men in the room the poor idiot turned herself towards the wall as though striving to hide from them uttering all the time the most discordant cries and moans morel meanwhile appeared unconscious of all that was going on this last stroke of fate had been so frightful and unexpected and the consequences of his arrest were so dreadful that his mind seemed almost unequal to understanding its reality worn out by all manner of privations and exhausted by over-toil his strength utterly forsook him and he remained seated on his stool pale and haggard and as though incapable of speech or motion his head dropping on his breast and his arms hanging listlessly by his side deuce take me cried malicorne if that old patterer is not going fast asleep why i say my chap you seem to think nothing of keeping gentlemen like us waiting just remember will you our time is precious you know this is not exactly a party of pleasure so march or i shall be obliged to make you suiting the action to the word the man grasped the artisan by the shoulder and shook him roughly which so alarmed the children that unable to restrain their terror the three little boys emerged from their paillasse and half naked as they were came in an agony of tears to throw themselves at the feet of the bailiffs holding up their clasped hands and crying in tones of touching earnestness pray pray don't hurt our dear father at the sight of these poor shivering half-clad infants weeping with affright and trembling with cold bourdin spite of his natural callousness and long acquaintance with scenes of this sort could not avoid a feeling almost resembling compassion from stealing over him while his pitiless companion brutally disengaging himself from the grasp of the small weak creatures who were clinging to him exclaimed hands off you young ragamuffins a devilish fine trade ours would be if we were to allow ourselves to be mauled about by a set of beggars brats like you as though the scene were not sufficiently distressing 
a fearful addition was made to its horrors the eldest of the little girls who had remained in the paillasse with her sick sister suddenly exclaimed mother mother i don't know what's the matter with adele she is so cold and her eyes are fixed on my face and yet she does not breathe the poor little child whose consumptive appearance we have before noticed had expired gently and without a sigh her looks fixed earnestly on the sister she so tenderly loved no language can describe the cry which burst from the lips of the lapidary's wife at these words which at once revealed the dreadful truth it was one of those wild despairing convulsive shrieks which seemed to sever the very heart-strings of a mother my poor little sister looks as though she were dead continued the child she frightens me with her eyes fixed on me and her face so cold saying which in an agony of terror she leaped from beside the corpse of the infant and ran to shelter herself in her mother's arms while the distracted parent forgetting that her almost paralyzed limbs were incapable of supporting her made a violent effort to rise and go to the assistance of her child whom she could not believe was actually past recovery but her strength failed her and with a deep sigh of despair she sunk upon the floor the cry found an echo in the heart of morel and roused him from his stupor he sprang with one bound to the paillasse and withdrew from it the stiffened form of an infant four years old dead and cold want and misery had accelerated its end although its complaint which had originated in the positive want of common necessaries was beyond the reach of any human aid to remove its poor little limbs were already rigid with death morel whose very hair seemed to stand on end with despair and terror stood holding his dead child in his arms motionlessly contemplating its thin features with a fixed bloodshot gaze though no tear moistened his dry burning eyeballs morel morel give adele to me cried the unhappy mother extending her arms towards him she is not dead it is not possible let me have her and i shall be able to warm her in my arms the curiosity of the idiot was excited by observing the pertinacity with which the bailiffs kept close to the lapidary who would not part with the body of his child she ceased her yells and cries and rising from her mattress approached gently protruded her hideous senseless countenance over morel's shoulder staring in vacant wonder at the pale corpse of her grandchild the features of the idiot retaining their usual expression of stupid sullenness at the end of a few minutes she uttered a sort of horrible yawning noise almost resembling the roar of a famished animal then hurrying back to her mattress she threw herself upon it exclaiming hungry 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 well gentlemen said the poor half-crazed artisan with haggard looks you see all that is left me of my poor child my adele we called her adele she was so pretty she deserved a pretty name and she was just four years old last night ay and this morning even i kissed her and she put her little arms about my neck and embraced me oh so fondly and now you see gentlemen perhaps you will tell me there is one mouth less to feed and that i am lucky to get rid of one you think so don't you the unfortunate man's reason was fast giving way under the many shocks he had received morel cried madeleine give me my child i will have her to be sure replied the lapidary that is only fair everybody ought to secure their own happiness 
so saying he led the child in its mother's arms and uttering a groan such as comes only from a breaking heart he covered his face with his hands while madeline almost as frenzied as her husband placed the body of her child amid the straw of her wretched bed watching it with frantic jealousy while the other children kneeling around her filled the air with their wailings the bailiffs who had experienced a temporary feeling of compassion at the death of the child soon fell back into their accustomed brutality i say friend said Madicon to the lapidary your child is dead and there's an end of it i dare say you think it a misfortune but then you see we are all mortal and neither we nor you can bring it back to life so come along with us for to tell you the truth we're upon the scent of a spicy one we must nab to-day so don't delay us that's a trump but morel heard not a word he said entirely preoccupied with his own sad thoughts the bewildered man kept up a kind of wandering delivery of his own afflicting ideas my poor adele murmured he we must now see about laying you in the grave and watching by her little corpse till the people come to carry it to its last home to lay it in the ground but how are we to do that without a coffin and where shall we get one who will give me credit for one oh a very small coffin will do only for a little creature of four years of age and we shall want no bearers oh no i can carry it under my arm <laughs> added he with a burst of frightful mirth what a good thing it is she did not live to be as old as louise i never could have persuaded anybody to trust me for a coffin large enough for a girl of eighteen years of age i say just look at that chap said bourdin to malicorne i'll be dashed if i don't think as he's going mad like the old woman there only see how he rolls his eyes about enough to frighten one come i say let's make haste and be off only hark how that idiot creature is a-roaring for something to eat well they are rum customers from beginning to end we must get done with them as soon as we can although the law only allows us seventy-six francs seventy-five centimes for arresting this beggar yet in justice to ourselves we must swell the cost to two hundred and forty or two hundred and fifty francs you know the sufferer the creditor pays us you mean advances the cash old gaffer there will have to pay the piper since he must dance to the music well by the time he has paid his creditor twenty-five hundred francs for debt interest and expenses etc he'll find it pretty warm work a devilish sight more than we do our job up here i'm a most frost-bitten cried the bailiff blowing the ends of his fingers come old fellow make haste will you just look sharp you can snivel you know as we go along why how the devil can we help it if your brat has kicked the bucket these beggars always have such a lot of children if they have nothing else yes so they have responded malicorne then slapping morel on the shoulder he called out in a loud voice i tell you what it is my friend we're not going to be kept dawdling here all day our time is precious so either out with this stumpy or march off to prison without any more bother ah mademoiselle rigolette cried the weeping children as they recognized the happy healthful countenance of their young protectress and friend these wicked men are going to take our poor father away and put him in prison and sister adele is just dead dead cried the kind-hearted girl her dark eyes filling with compassionating tears poor little thing 
but it cannot be true that your father is in danger of a prison and almost stupefied with surprise she gazed alternately from the children to morel and from him to the bailiffs i say my girl said bourdin approaching rigolette as you do seem to have the use of your senses just make this good man here reason will you his child has just died well that can't be helped now but you see he is a keeping of us because we're awaiting to take him to the debtor's prison being sheriff's officers duly sworn in and appointed tell him so then it is true exclaimed the feeling girl true i should say it was and no mistake now don't you see while the mother is busy with the dead babby and bless you she's got it there hugging it up in bed and won't part with it she won't notice us so i want the father to be off while she isn't thinking nothing about it good god good god replied rigolette in deep distress what is to be done done why pay the money or go to prison there is nothing between them two ways if you happen to have two or three thousand francs by you you can oblige with him why shell out and will be off and glad enough to be gone how can you cried rigolette be so barbarous as to make a jest of such distress as this well then rejoined the other man all joking apart if you really do wish to be useful try to prevent the woman from seeing us take her husband away you will spare them both a very disagreeable ten minutes coarse as was this counsel it was not destitute of good sense and rigolette feeling she could do nothing else approached the bedside of madeleine who distracted by her grief appeared unconscious of the presence of rigolette as gathering the children together she knelt with them beside their afflicted mother End of chapter thirteen part one read by celine major